0: Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. That's kind of an extension of the principle that you and I learned early in our uh, sales career about uh the good is the enemy of the best. And so you want the oh, best totally. possible person you could get uh, in there. Would you, that, that rings a bell?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, it's, you know how it is. And then again, that, that's where the always growing comes in. It's like, oh yeah, but they could do, this. that's probably one of the biggest mistakes. I'll tell you where people have grown to maybe not like me over the years is I over promote people and it's not good for them either. It's not good to give people, they call it the Peter Principle, right? You rise to your highest level of incompetence. And that's not good. I don't do that anymore, right? I have fixed that problem. I have no problem being like, look, here's where you're at. This is where I think you're fantastic. We, do, we call it PDPs. Every person has, here's your role today. Here are the skill sets of what your next role would look like and the skill sets of what your next role would look like. And you either have those skill sets in the role now for the next role or you don't get promoted. And it's just a kind of a good learning opportunity for anybody listening too is like, you're never going to get promoted Or it's not going to work out so well if you get promoted and you haven't already learned the skills versus thinking you're going to learn on the job. You know, it's another thing that I think a lot of people don't realize early in their their career either. What size
0: company would bring you in? What would the company look like that would bring you in to scale their? You know, the one thing I wonder about scaling the sales is the turnover and dealing with turnover. And there's a lot of issues related to the sales force. And so if you're talking about scale, I guess that's part of what you're scaling up, the ability to replace people and all that. Like one time I had, a, I was on the ski lift with this uh, guy and what he and his team did, they would buy like a hundred Burger Kings and they'd have a swap it for, you know, they had a hundred of everything, all these different uh, right. Popeye's chicken and 7-Elevens. You know, we just bought 150 7-Elevens and swapped that up. It's so... I said, Seven Elevens. 11s how about theft? Your manager's stealing from me. He goes, oh, we just factor
1: that in, you know? <laughs> right, there's like a lot. <laughs>
0: they just build it in, but it, this idea of turnover and placement, uh, is that just something you factor into your, you know, what you're scaling up? And what kind of company do you work with? How does that, where does that fit?
1: Yeah, I, there's a couple of things in there that I'll try to answer. One, yes. It can be really difficult early on to know the right DNA for your sales org. When you haven't hired, you know, after you hired 20 or 30 people, you should know. And so then therefore, your model, you know, if you're going to forecast 30% churn, maybe your model goes down to 15 or 20% or something like that. So don't beat yourself up. I'll tell you, the best leading indicator for success is not the Rolodex. That's usually the worst. The companies that we see that have high attrition early when they're trying to grow is they try to cheat to get ahead. What they do is they say, oh, Johnny's been in the industry for... 10 years, we'll hire him. He's got all these relationships. And then Johnny has one. And six months in, you're like, Johnny, what's going on, man? You hire people who have done a similar sales motion, a similar deal size, a similar length of sale, a similar level of sophistication. If they have a Rolodex, great. But I'm telling you, way more often than not, I'm going to go 75, 25, or 80, 20. uh, The companies fail, when their first go-to-market strategy is to hire people from the industry, because everybody overinflates their contacts, and there's again those twenty percent, twenty-five. Maybe you'll hit you'll hit a few home runs, but if you focus your hiring profile on, okay, do they sell to a similar level of person? Do they do this? Do they do this? I can teach someone in industry much easier than I can to have a repeatable process of they know what this looks like, they know what this deal size looks like. So that's just anybody who's scaling their sales organization. That's just something to think about. And then over time, again, you kind of look to refine that and replicate it. We're best with companies that have, you know, call it the either initial or even later stage market traction, where maybe if you're a private equity backed company, you could be doing five or, you know, let's call it 10 10 to 20 million. And you're trying, you know, you've got your four year hold period. And operations start to become really important. As you're trying to say, Jake, we need to drive 30% more revenue, but I can only add 10% more cost to my sales team. How do we do this? Or Jake, I don't have visibility into my business. We're doing 50 million, 60 million a year. And I don't even know my forecast accuracy is still in Excel. And we've got to ask the sales reps. So it's, and we will work with earlier stage companies that are going from kind of step one to step two, but it's those inflection points in a business. Okay, you go from a million, how do we get to 10? You try to go to 10, how do we get to 40? The, the classic saying, you know, what got you there won't get you, where to, you know, to where you want to go. All kinds of things break down. You know, again, like you need to have a way to ramp salespeople. You know, one of the biggest fallacies is that if salespeople know how to sell, they're going to come in and be successful. And the analogy I always use is software engineers. So if a software engineer is a really good coder at this other company, so you're just going to say, here's a computer, here's our code base. You've done C++ before, just start coding. Yeah. <laughs> what? You would never. But that's what we do with sales reps. We're like, oh, there's no, this is how we document our code. This is how you do things. And so they wonder why sales people aren't effective. You have to have a playbook for your sales team, even if it's a rudimentary one. Of uh, These are our best practices that we know. This is the process. So usually a lot of the work that we're doing is these companies have grown. They're just right place, right time good little niche market, or, you know, niche of a niche, or they've just done a roll up. And now they got four companies acting like four companies, and they need to act like one, or it's, you know, we're going that 10 to 20 to 30. And we don't even have a sales ops person, our sales leaders doing all this stuff. And it's like a revenue operations person. And I'll just kind of define this for people is someone who's a strategic partner to sales, customer success, marketing, the CEO who says, Look, I'm going to look at our complete customer journey. How do people find us touch points? all the different conversion points to when they leave. And I'm going to say, how do we increase the process to get more people through that? And then how do we use technology to augment our playbook or whatever it is? And so revenue operations is kind of a new category for people to think about. So it's usually things are going well, and now it's time to operationalize to increase that productivity. And it's usually, again, sometimes we need to build a playbook because it's a process problem. And other times it's, well, we got to fix some data things so we can actually get the, the reports that we need to run the business. So-
0: Well, as you learn, as you develop, you become more focused in your knowledge and the extraneous, uh, you know, kind of moves out. And what I've seen you narrow your focus in on where you wanted to change the way that consulting is defined with basically how you generate results today, you know, on the uh, strategic vision, tactical strategy. How did you come to that conclusion and I'm sure that's part of what you present when you're talking to a new client.
1: Yeah, of course. It's interesting you say that, you know, it's, there's been, again, a lot of refining, right? It was like, well, we're revenue operations, strategy, and enablement. We're doing these things. And again, it goes back to where do I think the market's headed? How we used to scale sales organizations. I've seen, the, I've built the forecast is X number of salespeople have X number of quotas. We expect X amount of churn, and that's how we're going to hit 40 million this year, right? Or whatever that looks like. Now is the time where more and more organizations are saying, we've got to really figure out productivity. And and I feel like this trend is going to continue. And so I think for us, we realize that in our competition is, you've got people that like to build sales playbooks and charge you hundreds of thousands for a playbook. But then the the issue actually is this other thing. It's just presenting later down. So you think you've got a playbook problem then it's not. And then you've got these sales technology firms that want to come in and charge you hundreds of thousands of dollars to redo your sales force. And it's like, that's not the problem. The problem is like the sales team isn't documenting things correctly, and so there's so right our ability to bring to bear both technology and enablement, you know, playbook and solve those challenges is really what it came from. That I believe, hopefully, right that that is what people will demand in the future. It's like, yeah, you guys can do a playbook, but can you guys make sure that this thing actually sticks? Or yeah, you guys can build out my sales force, but can you actually help with the change management to make sure it sticks? That that second layer. Versus people just throwing money, you know, getting past the CFO for justification. I think we just really believe that if you can't do both and you don't have a strong point of view on that, you're going to struggle. So that's how right
0: We're up against your hard stop. I'm going to give I always give my guests a chance to uh, offer a final word and uh, a final. You know, the, I always like to reward the people who have stuck around and listened all the way to the I end. I
1: Love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, look, everyone. I'll tell you, I'll leave you again. I, I hinted at some of the generative AI piece. If you are a business owner right now, you know, I had ChatGPT build me, you know, I've got a five and a nine year old, right? And so there's conflict and all that. I had ChatGPT build us a family operating system, which is like, <laughs> how do you define core values? How do you define respectful communication? That would have taken me three hours. Instead, I was able to use ChatGPT and, and you know, my wife and I tweaked it. But the business applications of ChatGPT, I just really encourage all of you to start to play around with it. Okay. Whether it's in how you onboard people, get them up to speed on industries, any new project that you're thinking of, spend the time. I'm telling, this is, the again, a lot of the conversations I'm having remind me when the internet came out and people are like, yeah, this internet thing, yeah, we know, but what about privacy and security? And I'm like, was it better to have the internet or not to have the internet? And so ChatGPT is, it's going, we are going this route. So you can either choose to put your head in the sand or you can embrace it and it can really transform a lot of the things that you do. So I'll leave you with kind of a, again, that forward thinking nugget. And obviously, you know, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find me on LinkedIn. I do a ton of content there. It's Jake Dunlap. You can also go YouTube. I put out a lot of sales videos there, but definitely, you know, DM me, reach out as well.
0: Also, we didn't get around to your podcast, but you do have yeah. a podcast, The I Jake do. Dunlap Show. That's right. And- Maybe next time we'll get a chance to talk about that.
1: There we go. We can do that, man. Thanks so much, Jake. I like to have conversations like you do. So definitely come check that out. And I really enjoyed the conversation. This has
0: been fast and this has been fun. Look forward to the
1: next one. Me too, my friend. Thank-
0: Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at WhiteAllenWinning.com. Thanks for listening.